25 years on the PGA Tour and a lifetime member of the PGA Tour and PGA of America. Jay Delsing brings you his perspective on one of the world's greatest games as a professional golfer and network broadcaster. It's the game that connects the pros and the average Joes. Brought to you by Whitmore Country Club. Golf with Jay Delsing is now on 101 ESPN. Good morning. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. I'm your host, Jay. And with me is my buddy, longtime caddy, sometimes friend, Pearly. Good morning. What's happening? Just got back from uh, the Bahamas and anxious uh, to talk to you about me. it. Really? Did I throw that in there? Did I just really? throw that in there? What's a, a vacation? Yeah, what you the know hell? the other really? thing? Comes 78, in, uh, Oh, sunny. hey, Brad, I'm sorry if I'm a little off. I've been meditating. Emerald, emerald, now emerald seas. Now he's meditating in the conch. Bahamas. Wasn't he just gone for a few weeks? Give I mean, me a break. A lot of conch soup and conch roll and... The conch in the head. Conch in the head. <laughs> uh, well, we formatted the show like a round of golf. Uh, the first segment is called On the Range, and uh, got to give you our social media outlets because Pearlie was all over social media when he was down in the Bahamas. The Twitter handle is at Jay Delsing. Facebook is Golf with Jay Delsing and Jay Delsing Golf, and LinkedIn is Jay, is just Jay Delsing, and the Instagram is rocking because we don't know what it is. All right. This show today is really going to be fun. Um I got to tell you something. We I just got to jump into this. I have been dying to tell the folks this. One of the coolest experiences of my entire life happened to me today. I was. We've mentioned the Williams family, Jim Senior, Jimmy Junior, and his wife Chena. He's the young man that finished third in the Junior World Tournament in Orlando this past August with sixteen percent heart capacity. Okay. He was throwing up. He was sick. They thought it was this. Folks thought it was nerves. He got back home. They live in Jackson, Missouri. Um, and the doctor down there told him it was just the flu. And thank God the mom, and, you know, was was on it and took him to Cardinal Glenn. Anyway. Moms know. Jimmy Williams needs, he's 11 years old now. He was 10 when he competed. He needs a new heart. Bernie Federko, besides being a Hall of Fame hockey player, is... Can you be a double Hall of Fame yes, person? Yes, you can be because he is. Okay. Well, he is. Yep. No and question. I call him and tell him the story, and, he, and I said, can I please take your Stanley Cup ring to lunch and show his dad? And he's like, no problem. Should have brought it with Bernie on it. I know. I know, right. <laughs> well, well, he said, and, and that's the he, kind of exactly, guy he is. He, exactly. he said, I'd love to do it. I'm too busy yeah. right now, but we'll get. I'd love to see them. Sure. Right. So um, I take it down there. We are sitting having lunch today. I took a little video of it. Jimmy opened the box. He was like, what? I mean, just the, the exuberance of mm-hmm. a young guy's face, the whole thing. Okay. He's holding this ring. He's reading the inscriptions. He's like, how many diamonds is it? This thing is heavy. All of the things that you'd, you'd expect an 11-year-old to say. And while we're doing this, his dad's phone ring. Phone rings. And he and I are talking, and we're sitting next together in the booth, and we've ordered our lunch and everything. We're just hanging out, talking golf, talking everything, life. And we hear his dad say, just tell me what to do. And I look over at him. And young Jimmy says to Dad, Dad, is this the call? Yeah. And his dad shakes his head yes. And he looked, Jimmy hits me in the arm and says, I'm getting a new heart. Wow. And his dad says, tomorrow 
at noon, and then he gets up because he's emotional. Sure. He's he also we're in a restaurant. He's, he's struggling to hear, and so. For the next five minutes, I'm with this 11-year-old, and we're like, he's like, can you believe I'm getting hard? And I'm yeah. like, I want to start bawling right yeah. now. Yeah. The, the chills that I'm feeling, the bottom line is they have found a 100% match for this young guy. Dad comes back, tells us the this, this story, and he goes, it's, it's unbelievable because my son has a really rare blood type. And I said, it, it, really? And he goes, yeah, it's, it's called B- Positive, and I said that sounds just like your son's attitude. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, and um, their motto. So here's the deal: tomorrow, this is going to be where we are airing this. We're just going to throw this out there. We are airing this Wednesday night. Yeah, he is getting a heart transplant at about somewhere around twelve o'clock tomorrow at Cardinal Glennon. It happens that fast. Jeez, and I got nothing else. Yeah. Wow. That had to feel surreal. That's that's like uh, one of those stinky during the week uh, uh, movies and, and that kind of stuff. But this is this is real. It, it absolutely yeah, was. So awesome. I just feel so fortunate. Williams family, best of luck. Yeah, Thoughts absolutely. and prayers are with you and the doctors that are going to be doing this great, uh, uh, you know, sort of surgery. Um, and um, we will keep all the listeners uh, up to speed on that. All right. So, Pearl, Mr. Bahamas. Tell us a little bit oh, about. Uh, yeah, I got to follow that that story. Yeah, right. No, we had a great time down there. Uh, so, so first of all, all, I got to ask you. Yeah. How beat up was the island? How bad did it look? From nothing, zero in, in Nassau. There, you know, and, and we knew that going down because we'd called our buddy ahead of time. By the way, Alberto Valenzuela, great well, guy great, from College of UCLA. Great guy, great family, great kids. Unbelievable stories within the stories of which I'm very much hoping we get on your uh, your show at some point. His two kids, his uh, world-class kids across the board, both big-time golfers. First, uh, his daughter is, was she the number one uh, female-ranked amateur? She's got a scholarship to Stanford. I know that. Well, she's done at Stanford now, and she's a professional. And, oh, she uh, turned that to exactly right. She got her card. You're right. So she's out there in, uh, in Alberto Caddy for so we got to hear some of that through. They got a couple of funny stories. Some new Caddy tales. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what. Exactly. He he needs to be, because he's Caddy for quite a bit, and he he just told one that was just so much fun, and you and I could completely relate to. And uh, and same, his son, I met him for about a day before him and his mom took off and went to uh, play in an AJGA. AJGA, yeah, sure. They flew out to... Uh, Vegas and playing that kind of stuff, and but anyway, Alberto had uh, tickets for us to the uh, Tigers uh, Hero uh, event down there. Just spectacular, just a whole different experience. Really good golf course, of course, incredibly well manicured. And Jay it was like a private tournament, right? We were, I, I don't know, there might have been a couple times when you're three or four deep, but I would say ninety nine point nine percent of the time. You're one deep. You're sitting there and patting Tiger on the back. I, I if, see. If, if I saw you on TV. Yeah, exactly. I saw you were standing. People. It looked like you were almost standing, like you were I, shaking hands with Henrik Stenson. Tell Stenson at the bunker and hit a little cup of three. So, so he hits this unbelievably beautiful uh, four iron right at the hole on the par three, and and I said that's a frozen rope. And my wife looks at me like, "What's a frozen rope?" I said, "See how straight that ball went and exactly where I aimed it. That's what they call a frozen rope." Uh, you know, Jay, you could tell, and I know you can relate to this, and I wasn't out there near as much as you. If you would have walked out there 
first round and watched guys swing, no doubt two two names would have popped top of head. Stenson looked so good on the range, it was unbelievable. Plus, he actually looked calm. He doesn't normally, he always looks a little bit He's uptight. a little twitchy. A little, he is what, a little the uptight, way it, way it reminds me, yeah. And Tiger, I just, I kept saying to Alberto, I said, what's going on? This guy's lost weight. Looks like his flexibility's up. Weight. His, not that he needed it, but he needed it for his frame, his new game, and that kind of stuff. But he just had kind of a, a, of a, of a dynamic, like you and I talk about all the time, in his swing that was... Tiger-esque of old. Now, granted, he's not 22 years old anymore, but it just had a different pop. He was moving the ball both ways out there, not swinging hard, and it was going a long way, which is always a good sign. You, you and I always talk about that, you know, uh, seven-to-one ratio. Yeah. Uh, you put 1%, 1% of the effort in, and that ball just takes off like a rocket because all right. your mechanics are right online. Right. <clears throat> so it was just it was fun, uh, given the conditions and stuff. Uh, just the way they set that place up, uh, they keep it kind of exclusive. I don't know that they're looking for, you know, a half million people to come out there. And uh, so we just rode uh, Alberto's uh, coattails uh, into that puppy. Wherever, wherever, wherever you wherever. could. The food was unbelievable. The golf was unbelievable. And also the drama was unbelievable, both in the ending of the tournament and the uh, Mr. Patrick Reed um, playing around in the sandbox yeah, stuff. Yeah, let's talk about that for a minute. You know, I, I forgot to, I neglected to mention Robert Price, who's we got an interview oh, yeah. today, who is the um, the owner of Elite Minds LLC, a really super, really super cool, chill guy who has created the um, uh, a really cool program. You did a great job in the interview. Yeah. I'm looking forward to everybody getting to hear it. Yeah, thanks. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun. But so go back, going back to the Patrick Reed thing. Yeah, I, I almost hate to it. It just we we had heard a little bit about it. And then we go. Did you see it? No, I did not stand there and watch it. But obviously, watched it on the news later that night and stuff. And you know, kind of listened to the scuttlebutt. And both Alberto and I are sitting there looking at each other, going like, they might not let him play on the Presidents Cup. He might not get to do stuff anymore. I mean, it just made my my heart sink. Whether you like Patrick or you read or you don't like Patrick Reed, it's almost to me doesn't matter in this. It just it was so blatant, and uh, you know, John, we have played our entire no lives it. of with not touching the bunker. Now, this is not a normal. This is it's not a waste area. Yep. It's a waste area. So you're actually allowed to ground your club. But what was so interesting to me watching this thing, it almost looked like he shoveled sand on his back twice because it took two shovel loads to get a shot. <laughs> Clearing the path. I mean, I just don't understand that. There's so many things wrong with it. Yeah. And yeah. then the other players are kind of, this is almost like our politics, right? We're all pretending it didn't really happen and we're not really telling only half of the truth and that kind of stuff. You know what? You know the other one nobody brings up? You know, it was Caddy thought. You know, we talk about Caddy tales and the different Caddy guys and that kind of stuff. Now, what does yeah. the Caddy even do in that situation other than, you know, oh, look at a bird just flew by or, uh, oh, I got to scratch my knee. If it hadn't, if it had only happened once, I'd say the Caddy could have been, he could have been looking at his yardage book on a practice, you know, but when you're taking the club back. But when he had to dust the, uh, the sand off yeah. his shoe when on the, the second, sand went flying the in the scoop. eye. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I just, man, I am. Um, here, here's my take on this, Pearl. I'd love to hear yours. The game's got to sort this out. We have a great game. It polices itself. 
it's going to sort itself out. If it's if if this guy is this way with all drama around him, all he's a just drama filled dude. And well, his parents but, but escorted it, off the course at Augusta when he was winning. Just drama. That's what he does. He's backed it up with with good play. If this play of his starts going a little south, this is not going to work. No, it's not going to work, but it has been working for him for a long time. I mean, I don't like the hearsay stuff, but there's so many people, what they talked about when he was in college and how his teammates yep. had so many issues with him. I mean, it's it's not like there's been there, uh, too many lulls in between the drama. No. It's, it's, it's just unfortunate, and somewhere along the line – Something's got to happen, and you want the guy from a human standpoint to get it because he doesn't get it. And then now all of a sudden the rest of his teammates, like any time people do something wrong, everybody else has to stand up there and swallow and go, uh, yeah, he's our teammate, and he's a great guy. And, you know, they all, you all know they're all thinking the same dang thing. Well, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. It's uncomfortable, that's and an then people are not, you know, that's where you need someone to step up and address it. Tiger did it Oh. Okay, but the best you can possibly do. But I do. mean, you know, the media is uh, plus coming from Tiger. I mean, right? You know, there's a guy that that did put it all out there, and you know, yep. and move on. So at some point, Patrick's going to have to do that. That's just the way the world works. I think now, whether right. it has to be standing in front of everybody or simply looking in the mirror in a private moment someday, figuring this out and just change things, but it needs to happen. Pearl, that's going to wrap up the on the range on the range segment. Um, come back, we've got this Robert Price interview on the front and back nines. It's golf with Jay Delsing. Quick note: We just got a call from our friend Joe Sheezer at USA Mortgage. He said the rates are still below four percent, and if you mention golf with Jay Delsing, he'll give you a discount on your closing costs. Please call him today at three one four six two eight. 2015. Do you folks know about a family-owned and operated jewelry business that's been in the St. Louis area since 1946? If you haven't heard the name Sutley before, well, you have now. They are the premier Hearts on Fire dealer in the metropolitan region and have been for more than 21 years. What's a Hearts on Fire diamond, you ask? It is the world's most perfectly cut diamond. The Sutleys are knowledgeable and passionate about your jewelry needs and are open six days a week. They will treat you like family and want to understand your wishes and desires. Their business thrives on developing personal relationships with you. Sutleys also strive to stay on top of the latest trends in fashion with amazing selection of designer jewelry from famous designers like Lagos, Zengani, Simon G., just to name a few. It's all done at Sutley. Sully's is on the cutting edge of the diamond business, featuring the lab-grown diamonds that can cost 30 to 40% less than a mined diamond. Whether it's a hearts on fire, designer or custom jewelry, or even the new and innovative lab-grown diamonds, let Sutley Jewelers take care of all your jewelry needs. I have known this family for 45 years. Go in and see Gary. Ask for Gus. Ask for Laura. It's a family business, and they are terrific people. They're located in the Lamp and Lantern Village on Clayton Road, just west of Highway 141 in Town & Country. You can also visit them at saettele.com. Doster, Olam, and Boyle, LLC, are a proud sponsor of Golf with Jay Delsing here on 101 ESPN. The firm was started in January 2015 by Mike Doster, Jess Olam, and John Boyle, three veterans of the St. Louis real estate, banking, commercial, and corporate legal landscape. 
The firm was founded on the shared view that success should be measured by client and community satisfaction, not profits for partner. The firm's focus is on business, real estate, corporate, finance and restructuring, and succession planning. Since its founding in 2015, Doster, Olam, and Boyle have been involved in real estate, business, and corporate transactions with a combined value in excess of over $1 billion. For decades, Doster, Olam, and Boyle lawyers have been recognized as leaders in their practice areas by their peers. Doster, Olam, and Boyle, LLC. Extraordinary talent, ordinary people. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements. You're listening to Golf with Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. You can find Jay online at jdelsinggolf.com. Welcome back. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. Jay and John are here, and we are going to the front nine. Uh, Pearly, we have had a great title sponsor this year with Whitmore. Whitmore Country Club has 90 holes of golf, um, huge pool complex, um, 24-hour fitness area. But the biggest thing that sticks out in my mind when I went to Whitmore, when Bummer and I did an exhibition, Bummer kicked my butt out there. Look for the rematch. I, now I like that look in your eye. Baby. Now I like that There's look in your eye. There's going to be a rematch. But these guys, this this club is getting used. They Bummer and his staff, and the staff over at Whitmore are just fantastic. They they run date nights. There's there's a kids club. There's junior golf for the kids. Junior tennis. A swim team. Um, the holiday parties this time of year are just uh, up and uh, up and running, and there's never been any uh, assessments. There's never been uh, anything. You don't get nickel and dimed over there. You don't. The cart fees are included. You get access to the Missouri Bluffs, the Links of Dardeen, the Golf Club of Wentzville. There's no golf cart fees and that sort of stuff. They run skins games, members tournaments, husband wives. It's just it's it's just fantastic. The kids club. Is a really cool thing because you can drop your kids off at the kids club. You guys can go play golf. You can go have a nice dinner. Whatever it is you want. You got to go WhitmoreGolf.com. Um, Membership it, for the family, Dad, for Christmas. Membership for the family. Yep. Yep, that's doing great. All right, so let's go to this interview with Robert Price. Let's tell the folks a little bit about who you are. You're in Savannah, Georgia. You're, you're helping uh, people perform you know, it get reach peak performance and try to maximize their potential in their life. Just tell us a little bit about your story. Sure. Um, I mean, the I can always start with uh, when I was in high school, right? The, I mean, I played sports all the way growing up and just knew, uh, as, as my friends would even tell you, literally in high school that I was going to be uh, working with athletics and athletes around the mental side of sport. And I often share with people that um, I played football and ran track and played basketball in high school. And my football coach, uh, being from Ohio, uh, you know, one of the best football uh, states in the country, uh, they told me at that time that I needed to find another sport uh, while I was in high school. And so I decided, obviously, I'd I'd run track because I didn't know what else to do. Uh, and I learned through some of those experiences, a 300 intermediate hurdle, or that there is something about the mental aspect of sport that drove me to be really successful at that and then figure out how to take those same things, those same drives, and, and figure out how could I actually, like, learn more about it. And, it, and essentially just from that understanding, you know, my whole desire growing up was go to school and, and look at being a psychologist or 
look at being a counselor or a therapist in some form or fashion, and that's exactly what I ended up doing. I played football at the University of Pittsburgh uh, for two seasons, and then I ended up transferring to Hampton University. And, and from there, when I graduated, I was looking at graduate programs with sports psychology and uh, came across University of Maryland, uh, and it was an awesome experience. And just literally through that time, I started to understand that there is a huge gap for people, specifically for people who really want to go from good to great. Uh, and, and all that gap really happens is because there's not enough deliberate or intentional training around the mental side of sport and the mental side that they need to work on. Um, and so I just started to kind of going down that quest. And I mean, literally 19 years ago, I had founded this business, Elite Minds LLC, when I was in graduate school at Maryland and kind of continued to rock and roll from there. And realized I wanted to get a license in counseling, and I went to Johns Hopkins University there in Baltimore to do that, and really just continued to move along from there, and now I'm here in Savannah, Georgia, because I came to work uh, about six years ago now with our with our Army and U.S. Army and, and work on the performance psychology side of things here, and so now just having a private practice, working with elite athletes um, for the last 19 years, I've created the mental playbook. And so that's just a little snapshot on how I got to this particular point. And uh, I really love working with, with golfers. It's a pretty cool space to be in. Oh man, what a cool story. And the fact, and, and you went to Johns Hopkins, man, some, uh, some really heady universities there. Tell us just a little bit before we get in, cause I really want to develop this mental playbook idea uh, for our listeners, but tell us a little bit about what you did with the army. Cause I really think they'll find that interesting. And Robert, talk a little bit too, if you don't mind, about how this overlaps, not only in the golf and sport, but in our lives. Right. Well, the, the work that I did in the Army was about resilience and uh, creating, you know, peak performers. Uh, and, and anyone that, that serves our country in any of the uh, military branches absolutely understand that the desire for um, making sure that you are performing when it's necessary at the most optimal level. And and so uh, the Army was willing to kind of create a program uh, that utilizes sports psychology principles and techniques for their servicemen. And I was able to kind of work with them around um, some of the things that we were actually doing in our in the mental playbook, but really getting um, soldiers to really understand the importance of goal setting, or maybe it's imagery or visualization, maybe it's even meditation, but all of these different mental skills that are teachable, how do you actually teach those so that way they can perform at their best uh, when stress is available? And so that was a little bit of that work that we did in the Army. And what that looks like, even on the overlapping side, is all of these skills, these mental skills, essentially, that I teach and work with people around, they're, they're great for athletics, right? You, you can use them in the lens of through your sport. Uh, but we know specifically that all of these skills absolutely have life consequences or, or life successes. And so, I mean, everybody that's listening would love to be able to set appropriate goals that meet and manage their expectations. And everybody needs to know how to utilize visualization uh, to really get extra practice at whatever the task or craft is that they do. And so, I mean, those are just a couple of skills, right, that people use in athletics that absolutely translate or cross over to whatever field of endeavor that that they're in. So 
um, the beautiful thing with these skills, uh, I believe, especially on the man side, is that it's easy for me to teach it through a lens of sport so that they can kind of use those things in other areas of their lives as well. Yeah, isn't it amazing, Robert, when you run into either an athlete or maybe it's a marksman for the Army, whoever, and they, they have incorporated some of these things naturally, almost on their own? Absolutely. You, you see that often. Um, and that's, that's why I think the field in and of itself uh, continues to need, you know, just education around that. And I always talk to that is um, those that you see, um, and, and you've seen this in your career uh, as a golfer as well, is that a lot of the folks believe that they're doing the mental work. Um, but the reality of it is, is that they're just doing it by chance. And so what we're looking for is that when we're deliberate about what we do and intentional, that we can actually work on these skills and not leave it up to chance. And so that's, that's the huge piece. A lot of times when I'm working with athletes, usually it comes to that. Um, we, the rubber meets the road there because I'm saying, so you have some of this stuff and they're like, yeah, I do it all the time. And I'm like, how do you do it? And they're like, I don't know. I just do it. And I'm like, eh, well, that's just leaving it up to chance because when times of stress or pressure come, you don't really know how to rely on these skills. They're not second nature for you. Um, and so that's one of the pieces that when I really work with people, we start to understand that and really get them to, to understand how they think and the harsh realities of how they think. Yeah, man, that's fantastic. Okay, so you're in the golf space. And um, uh, it's it's uh, one of the things that I've just tried to <clears throat> excuse me, show folks and, and talk to our listeners about is how – some of these principles from some of the great athletes and some of the great guests like yourself that we've had on the show, uh, how this stuff intersects. And golf is right smack dab in the middle of, oh, man, so much of this with, with uh, how to properly use and prepare your mind. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, golfers in and of themselves, you know, I, I often ask uh, folks when they are interested in working with me, I always ask them, I mean, so really what, you know, percentage of their golf game is mental. And uh, there's always a percentage, you know, whether it's 10 or 100 even. As a young lady who, who's a college, uh, Division One college golfer told me two days ago, she's like, it's actually 100% of my golf game. I'm like, are you working on it? And she's like, how would I do that? And I started sharing with her. And she's like, man, I need to do this more often. And I was like, exactly. So th- there's all those intersections. But when, we, when we're not deliberately working on whatever that percentage is, uh, then, you know, we're spending a lot of time or, or, or running, a, you know, spending a lot of time wasting uh, the talent that we actually have or to, to really meet the expectations that we have for ourselves when we're out there. That's going to wrap up the front nine. Uh, come back. Uh, John and I are here. We are going to wrap up this Robert Price interview on the back nine. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. I've got Cindy Vickers here this morning. Cindy, um, we are on our segment. This is the Leading Edge segment, and you are helping us lower our physical handicap. Thanks for being with me. Well, I'm not yet. I mean, you have to actually come into the gym or I have to come to your house or something so right. we can do something. Right. That's what we're t- – That's so. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that. So if you want to reach out to Cindy, 314-323-2004. But let's go over some do's and don'ts. I mean, let's say you do get the nerve up to go to the gym mm-hmm. and you walk in there and you're – you know, some people you can tell they're just lost. Well, people like are intimidated to come. I am too, like for the first time that you do anything, but um, like just bring a sense of humor. That's the only thing you need to bring to the gym. So, uh, So just back to like why you should be there. 
So, again, Titleist does like this uh, just a crazy amount of research. And one thing that we know from the research is that the number one swing fault is loss of posture. Okay, so that's going to be like the most scientific thing I say. The biggest reason people lose their posture is because they don't have this adequate core strength. But core is not your abs. It, it is your abs, but it's not only your, your abs. abs. It's abs and glutes. Can't emphasize that enough. So how do, so there's ways to take a look at the strength. There's ways to see if your brain is actually activating your glute. And we talked about that Tiger, thing in yeah, 2015. That was just too funny. Well, right. Tiger said his glutes were deactivating. But that's a very, very legit thing. So if so this one of the things would happen is I really want to assess does your brain know how to tell your glutes to turn on? Because until that happens, then there's no point in pretending we're doing exercises to work glutes. Same thing with abs. Right? And, and Cindy, don't you feel like people go straight and they go straight to try to you know make their biceps or, 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 or you know their upper body? And it's not that that's not good, but it's not nearly as important, especially knowing that their biggest fault is coming out of your posture and your golf swing. Yeah. So. Two examples of people who took this very seriously, and there was, I want, I don't want to say fault, but uh, again, this is a, a title list. They looked at these two golfers and found that there was a problem with really this, you know, glute work and glute activation. And when they discovered it, when they fixed it, it it dramatically improved their game. And here's the two names: Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy. Yeah, we talked about Rory a little while ago when he was they, they they had him on camera and we were talking about we've talked about how an inch is such a mile in golf, but they showed on the camera where he moved like what a three quarters of an inch or something and it made all the difference in the world to him. Yeah, and he so now going back to flexibility, his wasn't a such a, a, a problem with inflexibility he over rotated his right. pelvis so the the compensation was they had to really work on more glute strength so all right so all of that can be judged at the gym and we could right. talk about it forever here but it just gets all you know just a lot for your brain to you know get wrapped around but but i do want to give you one kind of crazy statistic and i just actually yeah. learned this one of the this is thousands of golfers that were um were evaluated with this and it's about gluten leg strength and here was the exercise that they did so they got into a lunge stance right you know what a lunge stance yes. is where you've got one foot in front and one in back and they had to hold dumbbells in their hand and do eight lunges but this is the weight that they have to use it's 150 percent of your weight and they said if you can do this then you're strong enough to play golf so if you weighed 200 pounds they count your body weight so that's 200 pounds. And then for the other 50%, you take half of your body weight. So that's 100 pounds. And now you have, that means you have to have two 50-pound dumbbells. So you have to hold, if you weigh 200 pounds, you have to hold two 50-pound dumbbells and do eight lunges. You probably do three Good sets. Good luck. Then you are, according to TPI, then you're strong enough. So even if you didn't measure up to that, it gives you a little bit of a, yep. a measurement to go by. But Let's suppose that you do go to the gym. So I, I have a couple do's and don'ts that are just really, really basic. Uh, the first one is do not put a golf club or a pole or anything else behind your neck. Hold it on your neck and start rotating around to see this on a regular I basis. I love the fact that you're saying that. Please don't do that. Don't do that. This is horrible for your cervical spine and a variety of other things. I would say the same thing about doing a back squat. So that is when you put that 
the barbell, like, you know, right. sort of on your shoulders. Unless you are an elite athlete. That's super, super extreme for folks. So yeah, don't most do people that. cannot actually, for one thing, they really can't get their their hands back rotated enough to hold onto the bar properly. So now, again, right in their neck, they're pushing their head forward. And then, I mean, it just goes down the chain of what's going on with their lower back. So it, that needs to be evaluated. Another, I'll just give you one more don't. Somebody needs to look at what your posture is as you just do a forward fold. So some, like you could do it like a straight leg deadlift or there's kettlebell stuff that you do. But you've got to watch this posture because as soon as your low back starts to go into flexion, that means it starts to round like going up at all. You're out. You have to stop right. there. So right. you have to either only go to the point where you don't do that or you have to just it's really more of a mind game practicing sort of pushing your tailbone back and your chest forward to stop that from happening because that's just how you get hurt that's cindy vickers reach out to her at 314-323-2004 after 25 years on the pga tour jay delsing takes you behind the scenes from the eyes of a pro now back to more golf with Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. The back nine is brought to you by St. Louis Bank. Welcome back. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. Jay and John are here, and we are on the back nine. So let's go right to that Robert Price interview and, uh, and wrap that up. Let's talk a little bit about your mental playbook. And what I really love about the playbook, from what I know of it anyway, is that it really helps create a roadmap and a plan for people to kind of jump on and follow. Absolutely. Um, I mean, the, the main piece when I'm working with someone is the first piece I always share with someone is about expectations, right? So if you are a, a competitive golfer and you really enjoy doing this sport and you want to get better at it, um, I always say, well, well, how do we know we're getting better? What does that look like? Um, and really start to have people give me the right expectations of their golf game. And I typically go through um, greens and regulation because it's usually a nice, easy space to, to kind of talk with somebody around. And if they think about it, so I ask them and I say, so, well, how many greens and regulations should you, should you have in a round? And they'll tell me uh, some ridiculous number like 16, 17. <laughs> I'm like, Wow. Okay. Awesome. Uh, well, do you recognize or do you know that the professional golfers that you're watching on TV, that they're hitting, I don't know, 65% of the greens and regulation on average throughout, you know, the tour. Right. And they're like, what? I'm like, that's only 12 greens and regulation for the top guys that do this every day, all day as their job. So if you're, uh, 10 to 15 handicapper, if you're a 15 to 20 handicapper or even a 5 to 10 handicapper, then those greens and regulation comparative to those who do this is a lot less, right? So then that is one way that we start grounding our understanding of the expectation that we have on our own golf game. So if our expectations are out of whack, right, then we, we get frustrated very quickly. Uh, we don't like what we're doing very well. We get really, really angry when we miss a shot or miss a green, and we think that we should be doing that more often. Um, and it also helps place a number around what we do. I'm a big science person, so I'm into numbers and I'm people to understand, you know, that's how we know and recognize whether or not we're getting better or not. 
So that's just one little aspect within the playbook, but we do walk you through how to actually obtain the champion mindset that people hear all the time and how do you go about doing that. And it's really a nice little system of being able to kind of teach these mental skills in a way that allows somebody to really layer those things on each other uh, kind of step by step. So it's, and it's very hands-on and allows for a really good, um, you know, approach as we do this thing. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And Robert, you know, uh, uh, the great majority of our listeners have never played PGA Tour golf, never will. But that does not mean that they can't benefit from your program. Absolutely not. I mean, uh, what I've noticed, uh, Jay, really is the golfer that um, I call it just our recreational golfer, right? Um, and I have a, a pretty a pretty good recent story. Um, is there's, there's a guy that I work with. His name is Dr. Bob, and uh, he's he's really good at his craft. I mean, he's a he's a surgeon, and he does emergency surgery, so he's in the ER often, and he. Uh, chatted with me not too long ago about wanting to get his handicap down, right? So we, we really talked about that, and he wanted to be a single-digit handicapper. He started at 12-1 when we started. Uh, and I got an email and said, man, I'm already at 9-8. And then it was amazing because in those three months of time that we've been working, he's starting to understand that it's really just kind of helping him get organized uh, in a way that now he's able to really go out and attack a round of golf. Uh, even in the short amount of time, because he doesn't have that practice time that you know we would love to have. Uh, but how do you actually maximize that time? So that way, when you're actually out there doing what it is that you do, you can actually benefit and maximize uh, your talent that you have. So that's one of the cool stories that I have most recently. But it's really the, you know, this program is not just for the elite. I mean, one of the cool things is that it's really for, I would say, any golfer that has any percentage uh, uh, wanting to get a little bit better. Um, and we've seen great, great results with folks who have gone through the playbook. Yeah, so Robert, my whole goal with this show is to try to grow the game and enhance the game and let people enjoy it and know how, how much fun it is and you know how great it's been for me. And when you think about some of the amazing people in this world that do great things in their business and everything and they go on the golf course they don't really relate some of the principles in their work to the way they approach their golf game and they really can can't they absolutely um a lot of times it's you know one of the things that i found i guess a result of of working through this in the right mindset is, is that people leave playing more golf actually um so when when you're confident in what you do you get lower scores uh then you become a little bit more consistent at what you're doing and that increases your enjoyment level when you're out there and then when you're enjoying what you do it makes you want to play more golf so all those intersects actually happen uh because now again those expectations that you have when you go out there uh, you now know what they are. You can now start utilizing the things that the successful things that you've done in business, maybe um, on the golf course to actually, you know, make sure that your golf game looks appropriate, right? And and that that's bang for your buck when you're out there. Yeah, no kidding. And um, it's just uh, it's it, I, I've been amazed at watching people that are so disciplined and some of the other 
um, parts of their life and, and their business lives and things like that. And they get on the golf course and it's kind of a free for all. And there's so much chaos and lack of order in the way they're trying to do things. And uh, your mental playbook, you know, discusses and addresses that thing, uh, those kind of things in particular. Yeah. You know, it's just getting people to have um, understanding what that perfect round of golf looks like for them, you know. And so once we figure out what that looks like, then we can start actually accessing and really looking at um, what success looks like, what failure looks like, how do we see those things. And I think sometimes when people are successful um, in the business world or in, or in a profession, uh, and then they, they bring that into a sport, I think sometimes they themselves start to realize is that their success and whatever it was that they were doing was some of that was left up to chance. And it's pretty amazing. Um, even speaking back, you know, to, to Dr. Bob there, he is a, you know, trained at West Point <laughs> and um, is a slight surgeon and retired and even in his wonderful training, what he started to realize was like, man, I just kind of just did those things and kind of left them up to chance is kind of the terminology that he used. And once you start to realize that I'm actually going to make a deliberate and intentional action on these things, whether they're on the golf course or in my work, I start to see great successes and great leaps really of those success. And that success is more consistent over time. And that's, you know, ultimately what people are looking for in their professional life and also on the golf course is that consistency that leads to greatness. Yeah, absolutely. So, Robert, we're looking at some of the uh, um, some of the clients. You've got folks in the NFL. You've got golfers. You've got, uh, as we mentioned, the Army. Um, your sweet spot, though, is golf. You, you love golf, and the, the um, mental playbook is designed for golf. Tell us how people can find you. Tell us how people can um, reach out to you. Chat, you're an engaging person, and you love people, I can tell, and you'd love to help them. Sure. Uh, the easiest way is really to um, find me on my website, and that's at www.elitemindllc.com. And I'm on all the social marketing platforms, Instagram, at LLC. I'm on Twitter at Elite Minds. I'm on Facebook again as well at Elite Minds LLC. I mean, those are obviously the quickest, easiest ways uh, for someone to find me and kind of at least start to engage in a in a conversation to make sure that we're a good fit for for them and, and kind of really be able to start walking them through this playbook and allowing them to uh, really you know decrease their scores, which is awesome, but more importantly, have a lot more fun out there. Uh, while they're doing what they're doing and then want to play more golf because ultimately at the end of the day, I want people out in the golf course enjoying what they do and playing it more often. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, man, this time is just flying by. I really appreciate you being on the show. We got to um, we got to do this again and we can get some updates on, on Elite Minds and how it's going for you and how some of your students are doing because it's always fun for us to kind of track people. And uh, just like in your mental playbook, we can – we want to know where we start so we can measure where we're going. And it's always fun to watch kids go through the, you know, say the corn Ferry tour and get themselves out on the PGA tour. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. I have a few going here in the next week, so we'll see how they do. All right. So John, one of the things that sticks out in my mind, first of all, 
this guy had such a calmness about him that was really um, interesting. And when I prepped for the for the interview, the stuff he did with the U.S. Army really interested me. I, I liked everything about it, but I'm into the sports psychology. I'm into the whole you know, kind of counseling thing. And you know me, I'm into the whole having a plan thing. Yeah. And, and he covered all of those bases. I'm with you. I, it intrigued me, uh, his, his background with the Army. And I, it was all surprising. Yeah. And then I went to golf. I'm thinking, I think it would have been pretty cool to stay in the Army or, or do, do some of that stuff, you know, to keep working with the, uh, the armed forces as well. Maybe he does, but uh, uh, obviously his focus is golf now. Yeah. And you know what I thought was neat is this mental, uh, I think he calls it the mental playbook. Mm-hmm. I think the fact that he has designed something for you to hang on to as you're going through these various steps I think that's critical. I haven't seen it, and I need to. I, I need to take a look at it. You know, I, I just wonder how it's how it's tailored to different personalities. But again, I, I I think that structure is important. Structure is important whether you're in business. I think there's structure in our lives, and certainly to have some structure in golf. And you know, he was. It seemed like his the main wall he had to kind of break down is to get people to realize that you do need that. Stick with that for a while. This isn't kind of a come on and come off. It's a certain level of intensity that's going to get you to that level. And sticking within the framework of some structure or a plan is is the way to do it. But that's not an easy thing to do. No, it's not an easy thing yeah. to do. And it, go to um, EliteMindLLC.com and just go on there and just play with this website. It's really uh, interesting. He talks about... Um, from self-talk and imagery, all of these things you and I have covered before, we know how important they are. We, I can remember when I first started working with Bob Rotella, who I got a great interview with, and he was like, well, how's your self-talk? I go, oh, it's great. And about two weeks later, I'm like, uh, my self-talk's terrible. So that's part of the piece that I Because I wasn't even aware of it. Part of the piece that I, that I liked uh, uh, with, with Robert is part of it's the awareness. It's just a huge piece. And he even said in that one part, oh, people think they, they've got this. Well, they've got bits and pieces and little parts of it. But it's kind of like the puzzle thing. If you do, if you miss a bunch of parts, well, then you didn't complete your puzzle. It's yeah. not a completed piece of work. Uh, and and that's that's amazing, a, a major piece. The awareness, you and I have had this conversation, just life stuff before. The awareness can also be scary. It can be intimidating. But by the same token, it's a path to get something special that you want. And without it, you're not going to get it. Well, you're not going to get any insights. You're not going to get any set for what the hell you're doing. But what um, was interesting to me, what I talked to him a little bit about, was there are certain people, athletes, and we're talking sports right now, but it's in every every business, where they do this to a different level naturally. And their success just roars because of it. Well, I love that piece relative to awareness where he's talking about, you know, how many greens do the guys hit on tour? You and I have had this conversation. I talk to almost everybody every time after a round or during a round of that, how many greens do these guys hit in regulation? And that's what he talked about, and it's it's 12, 13. I think the leader every year is 13.5 or something right. like that, and people just can't fathom that. Well, it goes right back to what's important. It's a short game. It's those little pieces. It's not always the fanciest stuff. Bottom line is, from my perspective, when Tiger was the best in the world, he was the best in the world from a, in a short game. Right. And it pretty much follows the best player in the world around. 
Well, Robert Price, thanks for joining the show. That's going to wrap up the back nine. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. Come back. We've got a Whack and Chase segment on the 19th hole. Jay and John are here. I want to thank Whitmore Country Club for sponsoring my show, Golf with Jay Delsing. There's 90 holes of golf at Whitmore. If you join out at Whitmore, you get privileges at the Missouri Bluffs, the Links of Dardeen, Golf Club of Wentzville, and all the cart fees are included in that membership. There's no food and beverage minimums and no assessments ever. They've got a great 24-hour fitness center, a large pool complex, three tennis courts, a year-round social calendar that is rocking out at Whitmore. There's kids' clubs, junior golf, junior tennis, swim team available for your children. This is a family-friendly atmosphere, a wonderful staff, and you've got to go to the golf shop and visit my friend, Bummer. He is an absolute treat. Don't forget about the golf leagues, their skin games, members' tournaments. Bummer and the staff out of Whitmore are continually running cool and fun golf events for you and your family. Visit their website at whitmoregolf.com. Urban Chestnut Brewing Company is proud to be an official sponsor of 101 ESPN's newest show, Golf with our friend Jay Delsing. Just like Jay, Urban Chestnut is born right here in St. Louis. With three local brewing and restaurant locations, you won't travel far to sample straight from the source. If you're heading out to the links this weekend or if you're just in the mood for a classic German-style beer, grab a four-pack of our fresh, refreshing Zwickel Bavarian Lager wherever craft beers are sold. Urban Chestnut Brewing Company, St. Louis, Missouri. Prost! Are the words community, trust, and civic pride important to you? How important to you are those words when choosing who you'd like to do business with? If you're like me, then they're very important. Enter St. Louis Bank. These key words are part of the cornerstone on which St. Louis Bank was founded. This bank is locally owned, and these guys live in our community. Did you know there's a new group of leaders at St. Louis Bank? This new group has doubled down on their commitment to St. Louis, being more involved and getting to know any like-minded person that shares these same values. St. Louis Bank wants to build something big together. When it comes to trust and honesty, don't take my word for it. You'll have to see for yourself. Look for the new locations in Edwardsville opening March 2020 and one at Highway 40 in Hanley coming April of 2020. You can call them at 314-851-6200. Reach them at stlouisbank.com or stop by their current location on South Outer 40 in town and country. It's time for the 19th hole on Golf with Jay Delsing. Welcome back. This is Golf with Jay Delsing. I'm your host, Jay. I got my buddy John here in Pearly. We are going to the 19th hole. Uh, we got to talk about a fine drive with Jay. Um, man, I tried to talk to Dean team, great partners of the show, out of calling it a fine drive. The fine drive is their vehicles. Our fine drives. And I, I told them that there weren't that many rounds where I think I had a, like multiple fine drives in them. And I don't remember that many in a row. Do you? I remember some really good ones. I can't say they were in a row. <laughs> Not in a row. Yeah. So li- listen, um, a lot of dealerships talk about having um, every kind of car that you want. Um, the, Dean, the, the Dean team, they ab- absolutely do have every single car that you want. There's, um, they've got Volvo, Subaru, um, anything you can imagine. Um, they've got a golf cart division, which is really cool. It's in Maplewood, and they customize these golf carts. You and I have seen them. They've got super uh, uh, different wheels. There's music. There's anything you want. They can make them street legal. Um, so that's um, 
available at the, at the Dean Team. They've just been a great partner of the show. The Dean Team Autosports is a must-see. If you're even remotely a car guy, they've got $10 million worth of cars on this lot. $10 million bucks. How many of, the, of your cars would fit in that lot for under they 10? They need a much bigger lot. They need a way bigger lot. Is the state of Missouri big enough? We don't think so. Anyway, they've got a new Spider Porsche 918 over there that's like a million and a half dollars. But they've got... They've got Rolls Royces and Maseratis and Lamborghinis and every single sort of cool car you could imagine. There's five dealerships. They're all on Manchester. Um, Go to DeanTeam.com and tell them Jay sent you, and they will help you with a car. Oh, by the way, I just bought a car uh, that that Joe's going to be driving, and they couldn't have been nicer to me. So go to to, uh, DeanTeamAutosports.com. And check them out. All right, Pearly, we got an episode of Whack and Chase that we're going to right now. Guys, believe it or not, somebody actually wants your help. Believe it or oh, not. What does that mean? Oh, I'm just wow. saying. Just Jesus. saying. Wow. Aaron is with us now for Whack and Chase. Aaron, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing good, guys. Hey, it's Aaron from Scranton, Pennsylvania. How are you guys? Pennsylvania. Put another tack up. Put another tack up on the uh, on the on the map. Uh, I think that's uh, seven states now. We got covered, baby. I got it at sixteen, but that's okay. We'll okay. let somebody else count. I wasn't very good at counting at this thing. Aaron, thanks so much for calling in. Hey, not a problem. Hey, I got a question for you guys. Yep. Uh, you know, we've been seeing so much about slow play, and uh, like a lot of people, you know, I kind of lie to my wife about how long golf rounds take. <laughs> You know, because I, I kind of like to have beer on the room. So you tell her it takes four and a half hours. You know, it's supposed to take three and a half, right? And so you get up there on the tee, and, you know, everybody, you know, we got John over here who's uh, lined up for his fifth putt on the third hole. And, uh, you know, how, how, first off, how do you guys address slow play at uh, your own home country clubs? Well, now, wait a second. Do you, you need time to think about that, or are we going to have to ask him a second question? Because that's a good topic. We should just maybe roll on a little bit here. Yeah, slow play. That's, we always yeah, talk about for that. Sure. that. Slow play is... Um, the scourge. It, it is. It's one of the things that, personally, I can't stand the most. I, um, if, if it's a guy that I know pretty well, Aaron, I'll the group will go up to him and say, you got to go faster. Yeah. And he's like, I'm going as fast as I can. It's like, you're not ready to play when it's your turn. You're dilly-dallying. You're playing with your towel. You're doing something else. You know, uh, someone's over there lining up their putt. You need to be lining up your putt, too, so that you don't have to be so taken aback by the time yeah, it's your you're turn cutting, to go. Yeah, you're cutting into Aaron's uh, beer time. That's the bottom line here, right? Well, that's what we're trying that's to solve, that. right? How to get and, Aaron and more beer time. And that's my exact problem, you know, because right. my wife, she thinks four and a half hours I'm supposed to be home. And, you know, I, I want to be doing three and a half. Well, you know, sometimes <laughs> your car runs out of gas. Yeah. You, well, I've had I've had that problem, too. Have you yeah. used that? I'm sure there's a few. What are a few other excuses you've used on why you were going to be late? some of the best? What are the best? What's your best? What's your go-to, Aaron? Oh, I mean, I've had an arm cut off. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I've had 15 grandmas pass away. Uh, I, I think, frankly, I've got a really good one. I think she knows I'm lying to her, though. Oh, I don't think no, she knows. No, no, not with the arm no. cut off and a 15 no, those arms regenerate all the time. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's what I keep telling her. <laughs> hey, Ron, I, I do have a serious question for you guys, though. Okay, let uh, her rip. You know, with the idea of the Pro Tour and how things, as far as speed of play goes, is, is there any movement, or do you guys think there's any movement on letting them use rangefinders? That's a great question. I 
we've talked about this, I don't know how many times now, you can use, they let them use rangefinders in the amateur levels, yeah. the USGA has signed yeah. off. Aaron, I think in the next, within the next five years, they'll be approved for the PGA Tour. It just doesn't make any, any sense not to. We can use them in the practice rounds. We can use them in the pro-ams. It doesn't make any sense not to be able to use them. So I really think they will, and I really think that'll help speed up play. Even if you can just pick up a minute or two a group, it makes a huge difference. What the heck is the caddy going to do? Who's going to stand by here? And, and I know what's going to happen. I'll tell you exactly what's going to happen. They're going absolutely. Caddies are going to be absolutely. We're going to have robots out no, there. No, they're going to still caddy, and they're going to say, we're just going to cut your so, – so, uh, Cut your, let your, cut your Achilles cut, tendon. No, cut your your pay in half. Cut cut the uh, the, the fees. pay. Yeah, exactly. Cut the feedback. Uh, <laughs> well, the real you. trick though is, is I'm trying to become a caddy on Pro Tour, but I have no idea what I'm doing. So if I figure if I had a green book and a a gun, I could pretty well figure it out. Yeah, and then you, and you have those things, and they have those things, and now you're not going to get paid. You're going to get to, you're going to tote around. It's going to be like back in the college days when we'd caddy for uh, Mrs. Haversham. And she would pay uh, seven dollars and fifty cents, uh, and I'd carry doubles for fifteen bucks, and they'd give me like a quarter for a tip. That's what it's going to be like. And uh, Kucher next time is going to pay that uh, Hispanic uh, caddy down in Mexico instead of paying him uh, two thousand dollars. He's going to want to pay him nine hundred and fifty. That's true. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, Unbelievable. Really okay, Aaron, true. we still got. We love those questions, but give us give Jay a golf question relative to your game, your swing, your approach, something that he that might stump him that you need to know. Sure. So one, I'm about an eight handicap, and uh, I, I have at least two or three duffs around the green, and the the guys that I play with locally who are a lot better, they talk about where they put the ball at. Um, they also talk about the concept of bounce. Uh, what's your traditional setup when it comes to around the green and stopping from doing that little dig into the ground, your club stops, and it goes two feet? Okay, Jay's up off his seat, pass, pacing back and forth, trying to figure out how in the heck he's going to answer that question. So here's how we do this. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions that will give him more insight to you so that he can better give you the answer that you need. So my first question is, would you rather be fishing, hunting, or golfing if you had a choice of what you're going to do as your priority? Well, if I'm on a golf show, I'm going to say golfing, but in real life, I'm probably going to say fishing. Fishing. So give, <laughs> I'm a fisherman, too. What, what, what do you like to fish for, Aaron? Uh, crappie, bass, anything that involves a moving lure. Uh, absolutely. A little Midwest guy. Love that right there. Okay, awesome. I gotta, I gotta dig up one more because he's still pacing. He doesn't quite have the answer that he's looking for. Uh, what's the what's the what's the funniest thing you've ever seen on a golf course? Funniest thing that I've ever seen on a golf course was my best friend hitting down the sand trap. Me betting my buddy that he would a dollar that he wouldn't be on the green. He ends up sculling it, hitting me in the shoulder. The ball drops on the green, and I owe my buddy a dollar. <laughs> and that's not a that's not a joke. That happened. I was I was more upset about owing him a dollar than I was about getting than that bruise on his shoulder. Just full speed hit. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, well one more thing, so Jay can uh, answer that question. Give us a little bit about. Are you a big guy? You a little guy? You athletic? Obviously, you're low handicap. To give Jay a little bit of feedback there so he can kind of give you a sense of what kind of shot he's wanted to talk to you about. Sure. So, I mean, if you were a random stranger, you saw me, saw me on the street, you would say, that's a rather large man. Okay. Uh, okay. How big is large, Aaron? How big is large? 
I'm about six five. Uh, nice. You know, I played some I played some college basketball. Nice. So, you know, I'm a little bit athletic, but obviously, like everybody, I eat probably five too many donuts every morning. Okay. Okay, well, I can see Jay. He's settled back in his seat. He's got a big smile on his face, so he is ready to solve. So, Aaron, one of the so I, the sports uh, the short game is my specialty. I, I absolutely love it. And you brought up you a, were born as a great short game player, weren't you, Jay? No, my okay. dad had a, a description of my 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 short game. I'll clean it up a little bit because we're trying to be a family show. He said, "Son, your your short game is either um, penthouse." Or outhouse. Those were neither <laughs> of the words he used. And I, so I was either really good or really bad. And, and um, you, you mentioned the concept bounce, and most amateurs, Aaron, don't really have an, any idea how to play with the bounce on their wedge. And um, when you're hitting balls fat and you're hitting balls thin, it's basically the same thing that's getting in the way, and that's the leading edge. That's the very front edge of the wedge that should be sliding under the ball if you're coming in at a decent angle of approach. One of the challenges, because I'm six foot five as well, um, is that you need to be shallow, which means coming from uh, um, a little more in and around you on those wedges, and it is not easy when you're Taller, it's, and the, so you want the blade low to the ground for as long as you can. Is that what yeah, you mean by shallow? Yeah, and it's going to go. And, and what's interesting is that the short game doesn't take a huge amount of power. It takes almost no power. We really don't want our lower body. Uh, we want it stabilized and staying. Our shoulders kind of staying on top of our feet and our our knees and hips and and just um, uh, the bounce. The great example of the bounce is when you're in a bunker. Can you play bunker shots well, Aaron? Oh, I just absolutely horrible. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, so this goes hand in hand in hand. Okay. So I'm going to tell you how to use this, this, uh, your 60 degree in a, in a, in a bunker and, and explain to you where the bounce comes in. So I want you to get in a bunker next time and I want you to draw a line behind the ball, about two inches behind the ball. And then I want you to make this line and I want you to get rid of the ball because we've got to practice hitting with the bounce of your wedge on that line with a little bit of an up and down motion. Okay, just a slight up and down motion. But I want you to take the bounce, which is the very bottom of the club. You'll look under at the bottom of your sandwich, and there's a flange under there. It's, a, it's, a, it's unmistakable. It's the very bottom of your club. And I want you to take that club and that part of the wedge, and I want you to try to hit it on that line. Almost like slap it on the sand. Jay? It's going to be like slapping it or spanking on the sand like that. And what happens is the wedge is made, Aaron, to, to basically slap the sand, move through it, and get the ball up in the air. And so by using that bounce and driving that bounce into the sand, the wedge goes right underneath the ball. And that's what you have to do when you're in um, grass around the greens. You have to let the bounce hit behind the ball, coming from a little shallower angle attack than in a, in a bunker, and but having it move right through there. What happens, Aaron, is you get anxious, and then you start helping the thing up. And you try to lift it with your hands. You'll lift it with your upper body. You'll, you'll get in the way of it and just mess this thing up. And so what we do with the bounce is we just keep our body there. We use the bounce, and we let the club move right on through like the ball's not even there, and the club does all the work. So we'll get comfortable in the bunker and then start moving outside, maybe hit three or four bunker shots, yep. one or two outside, three yep. or four bunker shots, and keep doing that. First things first, grab that club and lighten up on your grip because I know you're going to be white-knuckling that thing because anxiety does that to us. You're going to be squeezing the hell out of it. So if you're currently squeezing it as hard as you can, I want you to go 
half that hard. And then once you feel like what half that hard is, go half of that hard. So it's going to change. If you're squeezing it at a 10, it's going to put you down as like a three or four. And that's going to help you get some feel, Aaron, because you've got to be soft and supple and let your hands do the work around the greens. And one other key part, though, to this, super key part, your best buddy in the group, get him right on the other side of the pin so when you skull the crap out of it, it hits him in the shoulder, drops on the <laughs> green, and you've got a shot to make it bar. Absolutely. <laughs> Don't ask him about insurance or anything. <laughs> is that something you think you can do, Aaron? I, 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 that is wonderful advice. I appreciate that, guys. Well, this is how we end these segments. First of all, thanks so much for calling in, and if this helps you, tell everybody where you got it. Right here. I will do that. Jay Delson Golf at uh, Whack and Chase. But Aaron, you keep sculling and fatting that thing, tell them we never met. <laughs> well, I appreciate you guys' time thanks. and advice. Thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. The Whack and Chase is... Uh, Always well, interesting. Always wacky. Yeah, always, always wacky. Yep, yep. Um, well, that's going to wrap up another show. Uh, John, thanks so much for being with me. Uh, Meet, uh, thanks so much for running the board. And um, we will talk to you next week. Hit them straight, St. Louis. That was Golf with Jay Delsing, brought to you by Whitmore Country Club. Tune in next Sunday for more from Jay, John, and the other pros and experts from the golf world. In the meantime... You can find all of Jay's shows at 101ESPN.com as well as at jdelsinggolf.com.